Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Surely You Can't Be Serious podcast. We are in the midst of our comparison of the album Get a Grip with the album No More Tears. Last episode, we talked about the rise and fall and ultimate comeback of Aerosmith through the 70s and 80s and 90s. Today, we are diving in track by track into Aerosmith's Get a Grip album. All right, so Get a Grip is released April 20th of 1993. There's a couple of things I want to talk about before we go through the lineup really quick. Okay. Okay. It ends up going at least seven times platinum. That's kind of the latest information I have. Sells over 10 million copies. Over half of that is outside of the United States, so it's an international smash. Okay. Right. Best-selling album worldwide. First album to reach number one. Some tidbits on this album. Okay. Yeah. On June 27th, 1994, Aerosmith became the first major artist to release a song as an exclusive digital download. It was an unreleased track called Head First, which was written for this album. Didn't make the final cut, but okay. they released it. Around 10,000 users downloaded the song, even though at the time you had to use a modem, which means it took several hours to get it. <laughs> One song. <laughs> One song. One song. One song. One song not good enough to make this album. <laughs> the album was named Album of the Year by Metal Edge Magazine. Reader's Choice. Uh-huh. Seven songs from Get a Grip wound up charting at least one of Billboard's charts. Okay, so that. this is their one of their biggest selling albums. Right. Maybe their biggest selling album. Yep. They came to the record company with an album in September of 1992. Yep. And said, here you go, fellas. Here's our album. And they listened to it. The guy's name is... John okay. Keldener. It's easy for you to say. I know. He is a Geffen AR re- executive, and he listened to it, and he said, he said, this is not good. Don't sugarcoat it. Tell me how you really feel. He, he was the guy that, like, oh, you got to tell the band. <laughs> and so he's like, look, guys, this there's no radio-friendly hits on this, okay? And I've tried to kind of figure out what songs were on that September 92 album. Yeah. I can't find the track listing. Here's what I do know. Living on the Edge was not on there. Crying wasn't on there. And Crazy wasn't on there. Those are kind of big ones. I mean, those are the heavy hitters from this album. I mean, it's good to know, because if those songs had been on there and somebody was saying no hits, then we like, you're fired. You're an idiot. Right. right. So anyway, I found that it very interesting. Their first submission for this album was rejected. Go back to the drawing board. Wow. Real quick, the album cover generated some, some controversy. Really? <laughs> the album cover had a cow's udder. Mm-hmm. Wait, 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 wait. Do you know why milking stools only have three legs? No. Because the cow has the udder. Ah, that's a good one. <laughs> Bad joke. <laughs> so the, the album cover is a picture of a cow's udder. There's a Aerosmith brand on the cow. Yep. And then one of the nipples on the udder is pierced. Yep. So the PETA people went crazy, right? They're like, <laughs> I mean, they were upset, right? They're abusing this cow. Right. And they're like, uh, this was computer generated. <laughs> Everybody calm down. <laughs> All right. So let's dive right in. Okay. So you start off with this. It's really an intro to Eat the Rich. Wake up, kid. It's half past. You think nothing really changes but the date. You a grand slammer, but you know, baby. But it starts off with this kind of rap, right? Mm-hmm. from the gate. I got all the answers. You got the right key, baby, but the wrong key hole. <laughs> I don't know what that's a reference to, and I'm not going to explore it. They do have the riff from Walk This Way. 
And I think it's their way of saying, get ready. We're freaking Aerosmith. Here's our album. Uh-huh. And we're bringing it. And it rolls right into Eat the Rich. So the music video on this one, the intro song is a part of the music video for Eat the Rich. Right. But you've got this awesome introduction where it builds. Uh, you know how I love the build. You've got the guitar riff, and then you've got the bass that comes in and joins it. Then you've got the drums and the rhythm guitar that come in and join them. And it builds, builds right up into that yell. Ow! This is the perfect Aerosmith intro. He does make that little animalistic I don't know what that is, but that little screech. Yes, it's the screaming demon. Steven Tyler can do a lot of vocal gymnastics. Uh, He's like Michael Jackson. He makes noises. And they're interesting to listen to. This was their second single. This was released April 17th of 93. It only reached number 34. So it wasn't as big a hit as they wanted. It's a good concert song. They played it in almost all of their concerts that year, but they had to reevaluate how they were going to go through this album. The video is weird. There's like eyeballs and bones. Mm, Yeah, he's wearing some horns and it's, yeah. Here's the thing I've never really understood about this song. Yeah. It's like Aerosmith is taking a stand against rich people. Yeah. I know they they were broke because drugs broke them, but they're pretty rich. I mean, let's be honest. Yeah. the uh, There have been several bands that have songs with this name. There's a Motorhead song, but I think this is without question the most well-known of the Eat the Rich songs. Okay. Have you ever heard the song Honey Hush by Foghat? Riff from that song, pretty daggum similar to Eat the Rich, right? Yeah, that's spot on, without question. <laughs> spot on. Yes. Honey Hush, go back to our Smoking the Bandit episode where Cletus Snow says that. <laughs> this song was written by Joe Perry, Steven Tyler, and Jim Valance. Jim is the uh, guy who wrote Ragdoll from Permanent Vacation. Oh, yeah. Uh, this song is a part of Temco's Dead or Alive 4 video game opening. All along with Amazing. Interesting. And um, it was one of the loop songs on Revolution X, which is Aerosmith's game by Midway Games. Okay, so the next song is called Get a Grip. Okay, and Jim Balance has worked with a ton of people, but was in a Vancouver jazz blues rock band called... Sunshine with another band member named Bruce Fairbairn. Oh, nice. Bruce Fairbairn produced Get a Grip. Oh, there you go. But we, he was in our previous music episodes. Bon Jovi, he did Slippery with Wed and New Jersey. Yeah, both of them. How about that? There you go. That is cool. The opening drum on this track. To me, every time I hear it, I think it sounds like a Janet Jackson song, What Have You Done For Me Lately? Your Janet Jackson (laughs) uh, library in your head is much stronger than mine, I will say. Okay, well, there you go. This is a good song. I like it. The chorus is strong. I I feel like it's a good concert song. It sounds a little bit like uh, these songs I used to hear like when I'd watch Tom and Jerry cartoons and stuff. Like, (laughs) Mama's Little Baby Loves Shortening, Shortening. You know, it just has that... 
definitely does. That sort of southern soulful feel. Soulful feel, yeah. Same old, same old every day. If things don't change, you're just gonna rot. It's a good one. I like it. I think this is like the second tier down. There's a group of great songs on this album. There's a group of pretty good songs on this album. I'd, I'd put this in the pretty good category. Yep. One more thing about Get a Grip. There's this massive burp that I always thought was at the end of Eat the Rich. <laughs> right? Yeah. It's technically the beginning of Get a Grip. All right. So that brings us to the third song in the album. It's called Fever. This is a rocking little song. Yeah. And I love the harmonica. They use the harmonica periodically. I love the harmonica in their song. Steven Tyler is a fierce harmonica player. Yeah. This song sounds a lot like Young Lust to me, which is a song off of Pump. <laughs> right. This song is talking about how they've decided to give up drugs for sex, basically. The line is, that buzz you be getting from the crack don't last. I'd rather be OD'd on the crack of her ass. Poetic. <laughs> Poetic. <laughs> this song, the guitar solo, is done by Brad Whitford instead of Joe Perry. Oh, okay. Yeah. Nice. Um, but it's, it's fast. I really like the rhythm that Joey Kramer and Tom Hamilton have going. And yeah, solid song. I dig it. This song reached number five on the mainstream rock charts. It's one of seven songs to chart on Billboard in some way or fashion. Do you know who has a cover of this song? Yeah, this is what I was, I was leading up to this. Go for it. Garth Brooks has a version of this song. He calls it The Fever. He's got a fever. Changes the lyrics a little bit to be more countryfied. Right. It's the same song, right? Yeah. Got a little twang to it, a little bit of country feel, but it's it's good. Done with that one? Yeah. All right. Let's move on to the really the first heavy hitter on this album. Yep. This song is called Living on the Edge. This is the most biblical song I've heard out of Paris, <laughs> Biblical? Yes. We're doing things in a different way, and God knows it ain't his. <laughs> they all did what was right in their own eyes. And God knows it ain't his. Yes. <laughs> nice. It sure ain't no surprise. Yeah. We're living on the edge. Living on the edge. Living on the edge. This song is loosely based on the 1992 LA riots. Oh, really? Yeah. So if you can judge a wise man by the color of his skin, then you must be a better man than I. Mister, you're a better man than I. Yeah. This was their first single. It was released February 23rd, 93. This won the Grammy in 93 for the best rock performance by a duo or a group. Pretty impressive. Yeah. Let's talk about the video. Okay. The video is all kinds of weird. Yes. All kinds of weird. Yes. You've got Steven Tyler Holdman's junk. Half of him is blacked out. He is naked and holding his package. Yep, thankfully. Yes. Instead of not holding his package. <laughs> That's right. And then suddenly he kicks his head back and somebody jumps out of the naked dark side of his body. It was it's an interesting effect. I, I was always like, what the heck just happened? I always wonder how the meetings on these videos 
All right, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna start with Catholic girls who are rollerblading and hitting cars with hockey sticks. <laughs> and it's gonna be awesome. And we're gonna close it out with the kid from T2 crashing his car <laughs> after joyriding it. It's gonna be amazing. So you want me to be naked, painted half black. <laughs> are you out of your mind? Wait a minute. Am I do I have a zipper going down the middle of me? Oh, a zipper? Okay, then we're cool. Oh, That's yeah. fine. It makes total sense to me now. Plus, then he has those like weird, like Alice Cooper like <laughs> things he's got on his eyes. Strange. And he's in it. They're like he and Joe Perry are playing with treadmills. I watched a Beavis and Butthead clip as they were <laughs> commenting on this video. Uh huh. And Steven Tyler had those dreads, and he goes, "Look, it looks like vanilla." <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's hilarious. Okay, here's an interesting tidbit about this song. Okay. Steven Tyler has said in his autobiography, Mm -hmm. the four pounding drum beats in the middle of the song where it breaks down. Yeah. That was a drum that he stole from his high school after he got kicked out of school. Oh. And so he played the senior palm, took the drum home, kept it, didn't return it. So he still had that drum from like 1969 or something. That drum belonged to his former high school. Wow. Are we going to talk about the Weird Al song associated with this? It is my family's favorite Weird Al song. We can't overlook any opportunity to talk about Weird Al Yankovic. (laughs) So if there's a good Weird Al Yankovic song that we need to hear, we need to play it. Okay, let's listen to it. There's something weird in the fridge today. I don't know what it is. It's so good. Really, really funny. This is a video directed by Marty Kellner. Yes. But it does not have Alicia Silverstone in it. Right. So Marty Kellner directed most of the videos, not all of them, most of them at least, right, right. on this album. And Marty Kellner is one of those extremely prolific video directors. He uh, has also directed a, a lot of live concert shows, including live comedy concerts. But what you may not know is that he is the creator of the HBO series Hard Knocks. Wow, that is amazing. (laughs) The football show. Yes. Great song. Tent pole song for the album. All right. One of my favorites. If you had the LP at this point, the needle lifts off comes back and we flip the album over. If you happen to have a vinyl version of Get a Grip, hit us up, Twitter, Facebook, whatever, let us know. Okay, so that brings us to the next song on the album. It's called Flesh. This is one uh, that Desmond Child helped them write. So this has a weird intro to it. So that intro is like one part Sesame Street, one part Electric Company, one part 70s porn. Yeah, it seems like they're trying to do some kind of Pink Floyd thing there, and I think it's a swing in the middle. So I like the song all right after that intro is over, but the intro makes it less appealing to me. It has kind of a rhythmic, choppy feel to it. Mm-hmm. It it almost feels like "Take a Chance on Me" by ABBA. <laughs> I don't know why I'm tying it to all <laughs> no, these other songs. No, actually, now that you say it, I can kind of I can kind of see where you're going with that. Okay, 
It's got a couple of uh, suggestive lyrics, shall we say? Her cauldron begs for one more bone. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's fantastic. I think the high pitch, the high pitched flash when he's really leaning on that, it sounds a lot like back in the saddle again when he's like, I'm back. Yeah. So, yeah. anyway, all right. Double next, flesh. Next song on the album, Walk On Down. So is this a leftover from the Joe Perry project? <laughs> Probably. Yeah. This one is, uh, I feel like Joe is like, hey, I want to put a song on here. And they're like, okay. we got his part in the middle of side two. We'll like to put this in. <laughs> Joe Perry on lead vocals. Yeah. That's not why I listen to Aristotle. No. This to me is okay song but i'm probably skipping it yeah this one's a yeah. on the tape player for me yeah joe sounds as bored as he does in real life <laughs> yeah i'm sorry joe sorry joe can't do it you got a great guitar hand yep just not a good vocal okay if you had the cassette tape this is where you push stop uh-huh. kick it out flip it over eighth song in line is the song shut up and dance <laughs> This song was released as a single in January of 94. What? In the UK only. Oh. That's probably why you didn't hear it as much. Right. But this was the song that was played at the end of Wayne's World 2 when Wayne and Garth were gathering. You know, they were making Wayne stock. We're not worthy. They were trying to get the band, you know. And and so this is the song that Aerosmith shows up at the end, saves the day, and plays Shut Up and Dance. Yeah. Every time I hear it, I think of Garth doing his goofy dance. Some of the lyrics of this song, sex is like a gun, you aim, you shoot, you run. More sex poetic. This song was actually co-written by Tommy Shaw of Styx and Jack Blades of Night Ranger. Right. Those Who, two guys were both in Damn Yankees. Yes. And Jack Blades was also a part of another album that we've talked about. Dr. Feelgood. Both Tommy Shaw and Jack Blades were. Was Tommy Shaw on Dr. Feelgood too? Yeah. Oh, well, there you go. Yep. It's a good song. Yeah. It's fun. It's okay. It's Wayne's World. Eh, it's eh, not my favorite. It's not a hit. No. Fortunately, the next song's coming up. We're getting into it now. Yeah. They're saving the best for last. That brings us to the next song, Crying. Okay, so this song was released June 20th of 93. It's the third single. Peaked at number 12 on the Hot 100. This song was all over the radio that whole summer. This song was written, of course, by Steven Tyler and Joe Perry, but also co-written by Taylor Rhodes, mm-hmm. who has been involved with several other big hits of Aerosmith's. Carrie Underwood actually talks about how Crying was one of the songs that she really enjoyed and sort of credits as one of her professional touchstones. Nice. So, are we ready to talk about the video? Let's talk about the video. Okay. This is the video that has the very important star 
Stephen Dorff. <laughs> oh, Stephen Dorff. Yes, of course. Oh my gosh! Sorry. He actually he's been in some movies. I mean, he did oh, yeah. what, Blade and oh, yeah. some other stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm I'm, I'm just kidding, of course. But <laughs> he's he's a, he's got a great bit in this. He plays the cheating, disinterested boyfriend very well. Yes. Um, but who we're really wanting to talk about at this point is Ms. Alicia Silverstone. Yes. Young actress named Alicia Silverstone, who had been in the movie The Crush. Yeah. Which I hadn't seen. Oh, I had. <laughs> and I can say this. I can say this now. Alicia Silverstone is exactly one year and one day younger than I am. She was 16 turning 17. She's a young actress, yes. And to say that these videos are sexy is an understatement. They attribute this video to the sudden uptick in nipple piercings. I had to ask my wife because she because she had a when we met she had a belly button ring. I was like, when did you get that? And she's like, I was a I guess I was a junior or senior in high school. And I was like, oh, so right around 1993. Uh huh. How about that? And she and I said, was this video part of it? And she's like, no. <laughs> I said, okay. It may not. She may not realize subliminally. Maybe it had become a fad. Yeah. Yeah. But she kicks her legs. How exciting it seems to get a belly button ring. <laughs> but my gosh, you sent me a video of her interviewing with Jon Stewart on an MTV show. Yes. That he's making comments that I'm just like, <laughs> listen, bro, I got a 17 year. Well, she's 18 now, but I've got a little girl that's that age and I would punch your freaking lights out if you're talking to my girl like that. He said when she sat down, he goes, all of a sudden I feel like Joey Buttafuoco. <laughs> If you understood the Joey Buttafuoco reference, yeah. then you're in the right place because we are listening to 80s and 90s <laughs> stuff right now. <laughs> this won the MTV Music Award for Video of the Year. Yep. It was the Viewer Choice Award and Best Group Video. So this was a part of a trilogy of videos with Alicia Silverstone yes. in them. And in this particular one, she can't win. Like she's has boy trouble after boy trouble after boy trouble. She's just when you think she might be like getting the eye of some nice looking kid in the diner, he steals her backpack. You know who that is, right? That's Josh Holloway. That's Sawyer from Lost. Oh, yes. Okay. Oh my gosh. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. So, Steve Dorff, Josh, Josh Holloway, Holloway, Alicia Silverstone. Yeah, it's a good setup. The song is fantastic. The video is fantastic. Fantastic ending where she's on the bridge and you think she's jumping to her death on this. Let's talk about that for a second. Go ahead. When she jumps, there's no rope, <laughs> there's no bungee cord. There's no bungee cord. And when she leaps and, you know, shuts down the highway for two hours and doesn't get in any trouble, that rope would have cut her in half. Or at least broken her spine. And when she flips around and gives the double bird. So I saw this video for the first time on YouTube in preparation for what for this podcast. What? I'd seen the video before. I'd seen the video many, many, many times okay, before. Okay. Watching it on YouTube oh, as okay. opposed to watching it on MTV. Right, right, right. And so it was the first time that I ever actually saw her finger not pixelated not out. Not blurred out. Right. Yes. It's quite the F you to Stephen Dorff to jump off and give double birds on a bungee jumper yeah great song great video tent pole song on the album yep before we move on from this one i want to throw something at you yeah i read an article this week and you're the musician between you and i it was suggested that crazy and crying started out as the same song they have the same bones 
musically, their progression is the same, but they took them to separate song doctors and one produced crazy and one produced crying, but it all came from the same root. What do you think? You buy that? Certainly similar, not identical, but certainly similar chord progressions. Okay. Both in the key of A and listening to them, I can easily, as I'm listening to Cryin, I can sing the lyrics to Crazy and vice versa. All right. Next song on the album is a song called Gotta Love It. Skipper. Apparently, you don't gotta love it. Skipper. Yes, that's exactly how I feel. <laughs> round and round and round, and that's exactly how I feel. Okay, why? You got three songs on the. If if you're listening to the LP, you got three songs on the side, and they're all over five minutes long. And the one you make the longest one has got to love it. No, this song's terrible. Yeah, this good. is the worst song in the album. This song to me sounds like. Remember, you've seen those videos when Millie Vanilli is playing on concert in concert. <laughs> And they hit that skip, and it's girl, you know, it's girl, you know, it's girl, you know, it's obnoxious. Yeah. Round and round and round. No, it's terrible. It's a skipper. Yeah. I honestly don't have anything to say about this song other than see you later. All right. Moving on. (laughs) Moving on to a song called Crazy. Come here, baby. You know, you drive me up a wall the way you make good all the nasty tricks you pull. Seems like we're making up more than we're making love. It always seems you got something on your mind other than me. Girl, you got to change your crazy ways. You hear me? Say you're leaving on I was crying. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. That's not right. Wait a minute. Okay. This song was released May 3rd, 94. It's the seventh single and is my favorite song on the album. It's the best song to me on the album. It's a great song. No question about it. This one, you know, you mentioned about it being taken it in different ways. Uh, this one was co-written by Desmond Child. So, Crying was co-written by Taylor Rhodes. Crazy was co-written by Desmond Child. See, there you go. And then you come up with this slow bluesy, romantic love song. Towards the end, you have that sweeping orchestra. Yep. Oh, I love this song. Love it too. It's interesting. I mean, at the point that this song came out, they had already had the video for Crying. Yes. They had already had the video for Amazing, which was the other Alicia Silverstone Yes. of the three. Yes. And so this was the third one. Right. They seem to capture the sliminess of men oh so well uh-huh. in this video. Yes. And there's another big factor in this video. Live Tyler. Live freaking Tyler. Steven Tyler's daughter yeah. shows up. She's 16. Yeah. She's beautiful. By the way, guys, just I'm going to say that again. She's 16. It's interesting. She had done, I guess she had done some modeling before this. Yeah, she'd been in a Pantene commercial. It wasn't her dad that said, hey, come and be in this video. It was Marty Kalman that said, hey, I'd like to use your daughter in this video. I think she's beautiful, and I I have this idea for these two girls who run off together. They're going to win an amateur stripping contest. How do you feel about that? Yeah. 
So how is Steven Tyler, do you do you say, what, use sexuality as a, as a way to generate income? I can't do that. Yeah, that would no. be against my morals. <laughs> <laughs> if in 1994 you were 18, like I was, you remember the black leather pants and the guy sitting outside of the gas station. Gawking. Gawking at her, kind of shaking her booty. I can remember, like... I saw the video before I knew that she was Steven Tyler's daughter when she did her lip syncing while she was on stage and she's and she's doing the hair and she's doing the spitting and I'm like dang she really she, looks like him and I was like gosh. when I found out I'm like of course of course it's his daughter it's undeniable yeah that is not Todd Rundgren's daughter is <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> without right. a doubt Steven Tyler's daughter. Yeah. This, of course, then opened the door for her to an incredible acting career. I was watching Empire Records just last week. She did that. She did That Thing You Do. And then, of course, she's the main woman elf. I can't remember what her name is, but Lord of the Rings. Yeah, she's in Lord of the Rings. Yeah. This was the video that Amy Heckerling was watching while working out, thinking about who she was going to hire for her next movie, Clueless. Literally on the treadmill, thinking, who in the world am I going to get to play Cher Horowitz in Clueless? Oh, I'll just get that girl right there, the Aerosmith girl, Alicia Silverstone. Yeah. Amy Heckerling had brought us, a decade before, had brought us Fast Times at Ridgemont High. And if you want to see the difference between high school in the 80s and high school in the 90s, watch Fast Times at Ridgemont High, followed right up with Clueless, Mm -hmm. and you'll see what a difference it was she did uh wayne's world in between those two. Oh yeah so fantastic song this song won the grammy mm-hmm. for best rock performance in 90 yep great song fantastic hate to end it yep video was ranked number 23 in vh1's top 100 music videos of all time it's the most memorable of the trilogy totally yeah The next song is called Line Up. So this one's got almost a big band beginning to it. Like it's the the trumpets and the horns coming in, the blast. It's very got a funk to it. Yes. And it was written by Steven Tyler, Joe Perry, and... And Lenny Kravitz. Okay, listen. This song makes me smile every time I hear it. Not because I love the song. Yeah. And not because it's Aerosmith's greatest song. All right. But clearly the song I associate with Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. <laughs> okay. This you is You really s- have managed to tie all of these. Yes, absolutely. Ace Ventura. So we've covered Garth Brooks, yep. Ace Ventura. Of course, Alicia Silverstone plays Batgirl eventually. But right. And Wayne's World. Thank you very much. Yep. This is the song, the music montage, where Ace Ventura is trying to locate the missing jewel in the AFC championship rings. And he's popping guys on the button with a towel in the shower. And he's tackling guys on the track. This is And he's all... looking at guys at the urinal. Yes. <laughs> and he and he like tries to crash into that guy and he gets the finger and he gets out the binoculars to look at his middle finger. That scene is hilarious, but this song is what is played during that musical montage in Ace Ventura. Yeah, and it's perfect. Perfect fit for those for that. You're right. It's not the greatest song in the album, but it has etched itself into our memory from being a part of that movie. Yes. Lenny Kravitz sings backup vocals on this, by the way. Right. All right. The next song on the album, the final real song is a song called Amazing. 
so, just Steven Tyler, not Joe Perry on this one as writer, but he did co-write with somebody named Richard Supa, who also is a big collaborator with Richie Sambor. Nice. Yeah. So this song is about climbing back after addiction. Okay. Yep. And you're right. This was written with that guy named Richie Supa. So listen to this. Richie Supa wrote some other Aerosmith songs with him back in the 70s, like Chip Away at the Stone, right? So it's a prominent guy. So he got caught with a bunch of cocaine, went to jail for three years. Mm. During that time, Aerosmith gets sober, okay? Uh, okay? When he gets out of jail, he shows up at an Aerosmith concert, goes backstage. Hey, Stephen, how you doing? Good to see you, man. I'm out of jail. He's like, hey, check it out. I got an eight ball of coke. And Stephen says, get this guy out of here and get security and they throw his butt out and keep in mind oh, wow. this is a guy who helped them write hit songs that yeah. they just performed yeah and as they're dragging him off he's like come back when you've been sober for one year tosses his butt out okay so he cleans his act up comes back to him summer of 91 shows him his aa you know coins and stuff like that i've yeah. been sober and basically writes this thing isn't it amazing what you can do when your life is cleaned up they get together and they write this song. What a fantastic story. Is that great? That is a fantastic. That's the best story of the whole album. <laughs> that is awesome. Pretty cool, right? Very good. Yes. And and when you listen to the lyrics, like I had never really listened to the lyrics before. Mm-hmm. It's talking about at the beginning, it says, I left I let the right ones out and the, the wrong, wrong ones in. in. There you go. To, had an angel of mercy to lead me through all my sin. He said he stole that line. Richie Supa stole that line from an alcohol and drug anonymous meeting where a girl stood up and said, I let the right ones out and the wrong ones in. Nice. Wow. That's great. Okay. So Don Henley is singing backup vocals on this. Isn't that cool? Yes. So this is the third in the trilogy. And this one, I, it had been a long time since I'd seen it, but I was really impressed because this is the one that involves all the virtual reality. And I'm like, (laughs) this is early mid 90s and this kid's got a vr set on uh-huh is that the kid from dazed and confused it is the sure kid from enough, dazed and confused it is jason london from dazed and confused yes <laughs> and if anybody can't remember it it's the one where he's in, during the vr session he spills his coke on the keyboard right at the makeout session and it's very uh yeah, sexually yes <laughs> Very, uh, yes, very, very sexual. We have the M. Night Shyamalan ending on this one because as it turns out, you know, we think that he's been he's been watching a VR of some MTV model, but it turns out she's the one that's been VRing him watching her. Weird. Uh, yeah. It's crazy. It's, it's amazing. amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm crying. <laughs> Oh, it's a great song. It's it's the weakest of the three ballads, in my opinion. Oh, I love this song. I don't know if uh, it's close. Okay, they're they're. All I mean, it's three. all they're it's, they're, they're great. Really, they're really great. Good. They also in this one they've got high speed motorcycles and they've got skydiving with like snowboards. Is that it's, right? Sounds like a James Bond movie. Yeah, yeah, it's a good one. This is also one that was in the video game Dead or Alive Four. Nice. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, it does make mention, one of the lyrics on this song, it says, One last shot, a permanent vacation. Uh-huh. A little tie back to an earlier Aerosmith album. It's a great song. Love it. All right. Finally, 
we come to Boogeyman, which is a instrumental. instrumental. Yeah. I will tell you this. I'll tell you this. The songs that we hear on these albums when I didn't own the album that are new experiences for me sometimes are not so good. Right. Like the beginning songs of this particular, some of the beginning songs in this particular album, I was just like, uh, this is not really for me. It's all full Aerosmith. It's very Aerosmith sounding. It just doesn't have that hooky appeal to me. But occasionally there will be songs that I'm not super familiar with that will totally hook me and become part of my rotation. Right. Like I knew Kickstart My Heart, it's now a part of my workout playlist. Uh I probably had heard Foolin', but it is now a part of my road trip playlist. Foolin' off of Pyromania. Off of Pyromania, yes. Def Leppard and uh, Motley Crue there. Yeah. For this one, this is the song for me that I was just like, wow, this is different. I like this. This is... This is the one. I'm digging this This one. is the song. This is the song. I really, really like the Joe Perry instrumental guitar grooving song. I'll listen to it again. Okay. It'll become a part of a playlist. This song is like a cracker with no salt on it. There's just <laughs> nothing there for me. It's it's just an instrumental. But here's the crazy thing about this. So I looked at the tour set list for the Get a Grip tour, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Crazy's not on there. They didn't play Crazy in concert, but they did play Boogeyman. That's crazy. Isn't that weird? And that's amazing. Anyway, that brings us to the end of Get a Grip. Come back next week, and we're going to take a deep dive into Ozzy Osbourne's comeback album, No More Tears. There might be some shampoo in there. Can't wait. We had shampoo, <laughs> the Pantene in this one. There will be shampoo in the next one. So, from all of us in Arrow.